Amen. Thanks uh, so much for being here today on uh, this Christmas weekend. We're so delighted that you're able to make it. I know so many of our folks are traveling and uh, visiting family. Perhaps you're here and have brought your family. Um, we're thankful for that. Um, but we're just thankful that even those that are traveling from Metro Believers Church and couldn't be here today are, are many of them viewing by online live streaming. So let's say hi to them. Let's give them a hand for, for tuning in all over the country today. Merry Christmas to you, our extended family, even some around the world. We're glad that you're a part of our family. So today, if this is your first time here, we're just glad that you have decided to come check out Metro Believers Church, or perhaps you were drug here. I don't know, but we're glad you're here, right? Has anyone, has anyone, uh, if you, hey, if you don't have one of our outlines, slip up your hand, the ushers will get you one. Um, has, has anyone or anybody ever used um, this thing that I'm not sure if you ever heard of called Facebook? Um, has anyone ever used Facebook? Let me see your hand. Perhaps you, you're not on Facebook now, or you've gotten rid of it, or you're tired of it, or you hate it now, or what. But at some point in some uh, area of your life, you used it. You're on. Let me see your hands. We're way out. Okay, most everybody. Okay. Um, and uh, so, you know, there's a new TV show this fall. I don't know if you have seen it, or at least saw some of the advertisements about it. Um, the, the show is called God Friended Me. <laughs> and... Uh, just so you know, I've never seen it. Uh, I don't, don't want you to think that this is a plug for the sitcom, but, um, I, you know, it was intriguing to me to think about that whole idea um, that someone would come up with a show called God Friended Me. Uh, evidently, it's about an atheist who gets a Facebook friend request from someone claiming to be God. <laughs> Uh, like I said, I haven't seen it, so please don't run around and say that I'm advocating for it. But, you know, I like the concept. I like, I like the idea. And as a matter of fact, that's sort of the basis for my message today, um, just that whole idea um, that God would want to be a friend with me. And I like the idea that people, not just Christians, are considering um, the idea that God would want to be a friend with them. For some, it's a novel concept. It's a, it's a new concept. It's a, it's a concept they'd never thought about before. It's, it's you know, like, wow, what, you know, that's crazy. God, if there is one, you know, there, that he would want to be my friend. And for those of you that grew up in the church, perhaps uh, you've heard the terms before. You've heard that God, you know, wants to be your friend and you know, you can be friends with God and all of those kinds of things. And, and, and what a great time of the year uh, to, to think about it. Christmas time is just, what, two days away now? And this is the time of the year that we, you know, we still go crazy. Yeah, I, I, I was, uh, it was interesting to see that, that yesterday uh, they named a special day for shoppers called Panic, Sunday, or Panic Saturday, okay? I don't know if you saw that or caught that on the news. It was, you don't have all these special names for things now. It's Panic Saturday. And this, this time of the year is, is crazy. It's busy. It's, you know, it's the, it's the busyness of our lives. And we've got so much to do. We've got so much to spend. We've got so many places to go. We have so much traveling to get accomplished that sometimes we overlook what the celebration is all about. And there are many ways in which the Christmas ho holidays can actually help us, too. It can bring out the best of us sometimes. It, it, uh, if, if, you know, if, if we think about it, we tend to be nicer at Christmas. I, <laughs> you know, you can walk by somebody at the store and bump into them accidentally, and at any other time of the year, they give you these ugly looks and, you know, maybe even, you know, give you finger signals and all that kind of stuff, Right? But, you know, typically around Christmas, it's like, oh, excuse me. Oh, that's okay. You know, <laughs> people are just nicer. Pe people are more generous generally around Christmas time. And they're, they're nicer and they're less contentious. People even, even tend to go to church um, a little bit more around Christmas time. Matter of fact, 
you know, there are some churches that'll triple and quadruple and they've put, you know, huge emphasis on, on attracting, you know, large crowds for Christmas because they know people, people are really um, into doing something a little bit more outside of the box around Christmas time, even if they never go to church. Um, Christmas and Easter, you know, you've heard those things. And, and these can be good things. However, it is true that in the hustle and bustle, we can lose sight of the primary message that is the meaning of the holiday, the Christmas season. And that's why today I want to talk about just a short little message on um, the best Christmas gift ever. The best Christmas gift ever. Many assume that when I say that, I'm talking about salvation. I'm talking about, you know, that Jesus came as a little baby and, you know, into the earth and lived and, and died on a cross when he was 33 years old and died for you and me, and because of that, he, he, he stood in the gap so that we, you and me, could have um, eternal life. We could, have, we could have a relationship with him, and we could, we could be what's called is saved or born again. How many of you are glad for that? And, and that's true. That's true. It's a given to me. That is the best Christmas gift ever. But here's the other side of the coin. It, Jesus could have, how many of you know Jesus could have saved us and just made us another number in his book. <laughs> you know, just, just could have, you know, okay, one more, one more, one more. Kind of like the guy at Costco, just click, click, click as you walk by. You know, kind of keeping tabs on how many, right? I mean, he could have. He could have done that. He could have just made you another number, just another number in his book. But he didn't. How many of you are glad for that? He didn't. He saved us. Yes, did all that he did for us, he saved us, and he wants to be friends with us. Wow. I mean, in fact, he wants to not only be friends with us, he wants to be best friends with us. <laughs> wow. I mean, look at James in your notes there. Um, this was about a, a guy in the Old Testament that... that uh, kind of got it right in a lot of ways. And the Bible says in 2.23, it says, and the Scripture was fulfilled, that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called, what? The friend of God. He was called the friend of God. I, I don't know about you today, uh, but... That's what I want to be called. I want people to, to think of me not as the greatest pastor that ever lived or the one that had the greatest church or, you know, the, 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 the tallest pastor in the city. I don't know, whatever. I want to be known as the friend of God, that he was, check this out, he was called the friend of God's friend. And I want that. How many of you want that? You want to be called the friend of God. And so the message, the message of Christmas to me is that God has sent out a friendship request and he's just simply waiting for each of us to accept. It, listen, the friendship request goes out to everybody. It's every person on the planet, every single person in this room, every person in this gymnasium, every person in the daycare or the workout area, every person in the city of Madison, every person in the hotels next to us, every person on the planet. The friend request has gone out. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. The, the good, the bad, and the ugly, it doesn't matter, you know, who, where, where, you know, you grew up at, on what side of the tracks, doesn't matter um, your religious background uh, and how you were raised, or maybe you didn't even have any religious background or were raised religiously. You know, it, it's for everyone. Uh, you know, God's a little bit more 
uh, I'm a little more selective than God when it comes to, f- to friendship requests, you know. I, I don't know about you, but, <laughs> you know, sometimes you get friendship requests and uh, uh, you, d- you don't know anybody. You don't know them and they don't have, there's no mutual friends, right? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? I have this policy that if I don't know them personally and there's not three mutual friends, no way, Jose, right? <laughs> I'm not going to be your friend on Facebook. So, but God's not like that, right? I mean, God sends out, sends out this Facebook request or this friendship request, if you will, and he sends it out to every single one of us. And, and I'm not just talking about salvation here. You know, some of you say, well, I don't know why he's talking about this because I got saved 40 years ago. Or I committed my life to Christ 10 years ago. Or I'm a Christian, or I'm this, or I'm that. Listen, you can be a Christian and still not be a friend of God. Just like you can be married and still not be best friends with your spouse. You can live in the same house as, you know, married singles, if you will, and, you know, really never be close and have intimacy and friendship. Um, Vicki is my best friend. We're married, yes. We got married back in 19, what was it, honey? 76, okay. (laughs) Got married back in 1976. And we've been together two years prior to that. So we're talking about almost 45 years now, you know, that we've been together. And a lot of people drift apart and they you know, they're just basically friends, you know, they're living in the same house, but they're not close. They're, they're, just, they're just basically uh, roommates, <laughs> right? And, and uh, I've seen marriages like that. They're roommates. They're, you know, they're married. They've signed the document, but they've really never tapped into the potential that's available to them um, in that marriage and become very close. And my hope and my prayer for every single married person in this room is that you wouldn't simply be married, but that you would be intimate and best friends, that you would enjoy the friendship that comes through the relationship, amen, and that that you would become best friends. The same thing is true with God, that you wouldn't just be a Christian. In other words, you've, you've prayed the prayer, you've done what's required but that you would become a friend of God, that you would be called a friend of God. God wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to be your best friend. Can we all say that? Say, God wants to be my best friend. Think about that. He wants to be my best friend. Not everyone believes that especially if you have a religious background. You came from particular denominations. Not everyone believes that God wants to be your best friend. As a matter of fact, there are some whose entire belief system is built around the idea that God considers them his enemy. That he's, you know, that, that he's, you know, you're his enemy. And, and that's not the way he sees you, whether you know it or not. You may have been brought up that way, that God's out to get you, that, that God's main job is to walk around and watch you and, and wait for you just to mess up, because you are a mess up. And when, when you do something wrong, bam, there he is to get you. That's your concept of God. And, and that's not the way he sees you. He sees you as a very precious and unique person from who, for whom Christ died. That's the way he sees you. We need to change our image of the way God sees us. Listen to John 3.16, for God so loved the world. You can put your name in there for the world. And you can say it like this, for example, Allie. For God so loved Allie. <laughs> for God so loved Zach, right? Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen? Everlasting life. The message of the New Testament 
is that God does not consider you to be his enemy. He loves you. He cares about you. I love the fact that 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, gives us a glimpse into what I'm talking about. It's there in your notes, I believe. It says, for God, maybe it's not, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's a, that's a, a mathematical term or an accounting term, reconciling, or in other words, balancing, balancing the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Did you hear me? He's no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. In other words, he wants us to go out and tell people, tell people what? God is not mad at you. <laughs> God's not mad at you. Amen? He's not mad at you. And John 5 verse 24 says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears these words and believes him, who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. Hallelujah. And he's crossed over from death unto life. Check that out. Listen, God does not consider yourself an enemy anymore. And there's also another word that I thought I'd throw in here. It's kind of a new word of late. Um, it's a word that... that we've heard thrown around casually, the word is frenemy. You've got the enemy and then you've got a frenemy and it's a mixture of the words friend and enemy. And sometimes, you know, we think of people as frenemies. A frenemy is that person who appears to be a friend, who is sort of cordial when they need to be cordial, maybe even socialize with you once in a while. But under the surface, they don't really like you. <laughs> they, they don't really respect you. They, they don't necessarily even want the best for you. Frenemies. They never miss a chance to sort of take a little jab here and there or knock you down a peg or put you in your place. You know, they think, they think they're your friends, but in, in reality, they can be enemies. Their attitude is really that they don't, they just tolerate you. They don't embrace you. They just kind of put up with you. We've all had a couple of frenemies in our lives over the lifetime that we've had like that. Um, it's been crazy, but just as God is not your enemy, he's also not your frenemy. Did you hear me? He's, he's not secretly out to get you. <laughs> hear me now. Because we say this and we laugh it off, but deep down in our hearts sometimes we think that God's just secretly out to get you. When everything starts to go wrong and you're having a bad day and nothing seems to go right, you, think, you almost think to yourself, Does God, did I, did I do something to tick you off today? <laughs> you know, is, is, is there something wrong here? Um, there are some who think God plays favorites too. They think that, you know, that when he looks at everyone else, when he looks at Dave Hansen, he just smiles, you know. He just, when he thinks about Dave, he's, he smiles. But, but when, he, when he thinks about me, he kind of just shakes his head in disgust and, and thinks to himself, what was I thinking? You know, it's just sometimes the way we think, the way we're twisted in our minds, and this isn't the case. Did you hear me? You have to settle this once and for all in your heart. It's not the case. I want you to know that God doesn't merely tolerate you. No, he's, he's, he's not, you know, your frenemy. He celebrates you. Everyone say, he celebrates me. He celebrates me. And, and God doesn't consider you to be his enemy. He doesn't treat, he doesn't treat you like an enemy or a frenemy, instead he wants to be your best friend. Everyone say this after me. God wants to be my best friend. All right, let's talk about what that looks like now. A few minutes we have left. Let's talk about what a friend, a good friend, a best friend does. I was thinking about this as I was preparing this today, or this week I should say. 
finishing up today, I was thinking about what are some of the things that are important when it comes to, you know, a best friend? What do we look for? What are we looking, you know, at? What, what, what impacts us? What helps us? What, what qualifies, if you will, someone being a very, very best friend? And there's five characteristics I wanted to give you. First, the first one, I think, is God, and these apply to God, God is a friend who listens. See, I have a wife, and she has a husband that listens. We listen to each other. Sometimes I try to fix it before I should, when I should just shut up and listen. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, men, All right? So, but, but God is a God who listens. If, if you don't have a relationship close enough to him, to feel that way, perhaps you need to let that grow. Because he is a God that listens. I'm so thankful that I can talk to God about anything. And when I say he listens, I mean he'll listen to your deepest, darkest secret. I mean, even some of the things that you have a hard time telling yourself about. He'll listen. You read the prayers of the saints. I don't know if you've, if you've read a lot of, of psalms and you read the prayers of the saints, but when you do that, it, it's just interesting that sometimes the candor of their prayers can surprise you. It's like, are you serious? You're saying that to God? <laughs> I mean, you hear their frustration and you hear their anger and you, you hear their disappointment when you read some of the things, why did God put that in here? So that we could realize that God wants to listen. It's okay. You have permission to talk to God about anything and everything. I mean, Job is a great example. I mean, <laughs> if there was ever a prayer that deserved a lightning bolt response, uh, it was the prayer of Job that when he prayed in his misery, but he knew that he could be completely transparent with God. He knew that, that God wasn't going to fall off his throne <laughs> because of what Job was telling him. And that's why King David said in Psalm 62, he said, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out, pour out your hearts to him. When's the last time you poured out your heart to God? When, when was it? When was the last time you poured out your heart to God? And Psalm 142 verse 2 says, I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell him all of my troubles. Anyone had any troubles lately? Have you talked to God about it? Have you poured out your heart? and shared that with him, it's okay. You have permission. Why? Because he, he wants to be your best friend, and best friends listen to each other. Best friends can handle those things. You can tell God the truth about everything, even those difficult things that you wouldn't tell anybody. He wants you to be honest and transparent. And listen, in talking about the God who listens, C.S. Lewis said this, and I quote, we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. <laughs> Sometimes we want to, you know, sort of snow God. How many of you know you can't snow God? <laughs> it just doesn't work. Have you ever wanted a friend that you could tell anything to? Have you ever wanted a friend that you could just be real and be yourself and tell them everything? Well, God's that kind of friend. Did you hear me? I said, God's that kind of friend, and he will listen to you. Second, second is God is a friend who gives good advice. He's a friend who gives good advice. You know, we've all had wise friends that have 
helped us make good decisions in life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You just, there's a situation that you were confronted with and you, and, and you thought, you know what, I'm going to ask so-and-so because I know that they've got some insight here or their, their wisdom is amazing. But how many of you know that, that even the wisest of persons doesn't always have all the answers, right, to every question? But here's the good news. You have a friend who does. <laughs> you have a friend who does. You have a friend whose counsel and advice will always point you in the right direction, and his name is Jesus. He gives great advice. He gives sound advice. He, he will help you with your decision-making. He'll make the path straight, right? As a matter of fact, one of his names is Counselor, right? In Isaiah 9, 6, he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. He counsels us. He gives us good advice. He gives us good advice through his word. As we're reading the word, how many of you have ever had something jump off the pages of this Bible and speak to you and give you direction? He gives us, he gives us counsel through godly men and women that, that trust us and we trust them and, and they, they share with us insight that help us make the right decision in a tight spot with the people that are in our lives. He gives, us, he gives us counsel and advice through the preaching of His Word. How many of you have ever been sitting here in a service and, and the, the speaker says something and it gives you the advice you're looking for? Has anyone ever had that happen? Let me see your hand. Sure you have. I have. All of a sudden, just something comes alive. That aha moment happens on the inside of you and and he gives you that good, solid advice. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go, and I will counsel you and watch over you. These are promises that you and I can claim and lay hold of. You can say, God, you, you said that you would instruct me and teach me, and you, you, you said you would show me the way to go, and you said that you would counsel me and watch over me. These are promises that you and I can claim and lay hold of. The third, the third aspect or characteristic of friendship, God is a friend who's willing to help. He's willing to help. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and our strength. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. Everyone say, help. He wants to help you, just like my wife and I. When she's going through something or a difficulty occurs, the first thing that she or I will say to one another is, what can I do to help? Isn't that right, babe? What can I do to help? Because we care about each other. We're best friends. And that's the same thing God is to us in our lives. He wants to help. He wants to help. He wants to help lighten your load. He wants to help carry some of your stuff. That's why I said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's help. He wants to help you. I mean, we've all had people that, 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 you know, we were going through a tight spot or a difficulty and, and asked for help for, from someone, and they had the means to meet it, and they just flat turned us down. Then we've also had friends that, that, that wanted to do everything they could to help us, but didn't have the means to help us. God is neither of those. <laughs> I don't even know. God owns it all. God has the resources that are necessary to help us out. Amen? And sometimes men and women and our earthly friends fall short in helping us. The psalmist said in, in chapter 60, verse 11 said, give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. <laughs> it's useless. It doesn't, they're not helping me right? I want you to know that God wants to help you. 
He's neither powerless nor apathetic. He wants to help. Listen, when trouble runs in your front door, God doesn't run out the back door, okay? God is a very present, everyone say very present, very present help in times of trouble. That's the third characteristic of a good friend, is God wants to help. The fourth characteristic of friendship, best friendship, is God is a friend who wants the best for you. God is a friend that wants the best for you. I want, I want the best for my wife. Vicki wants the best for me. She's my greatest fan. She's always pumping me up and making me feel like I can do it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Zach? Yeah. You can do it. <laughs> you know, she just, just got that way about her. You know, and, it's, and, and that's just a, just a slight example of God. He's like, you can do it, you know. He cares about you. He wants, he wants the best for you. You have to settle this theologically. So people think that God doesn't want the best for you. People, people are weird and, and crazy sometimes. Sometimes someone once said, every time a friend succeeds, I die a little bit. People are, people are like that. They're envious and jealous. And we've all had friends like that who resent our success and secretly want us to fail. Some actually believe that God is in that category. And he secretly wants them to fail I mean, maybe they don't think that God specifically wants them to fail. They're just not sure that God is rooting for them. I want you to know this morning, church, this Christmas season, God is rooting for you, and He does want the best for you. He really does. 1 Timothy 2.4, a couple scriptures here is he wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3.9, he is not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And John 10.10, I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly or to the full. God's rooting for you. Jeremiah 29.11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. Underline that in your notes or your scriptures. Plans to prosper you. God is rooting for you. God wants you to succeed in life. He doesn't get his jollies when you're hurting and suffering and kicked around and all of that. God is a friend who wants what's best for you. Someone once asked Henry Ford, to name his best friend. To which he replied, my best friend is the one who brings out the best in me. God wants to be that person in your life. This is true friendship, our friendship with God. He will help you, and he will help you become the best possible version of you. Amen? Philippians 1.6 says, he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Amen? Faithful to complete it. Number five, God is a friend who will bring out the best in you. Okay? He wants what's best for you, and he'll bring out the best. He'll bring out the best in you. I love that. I love that. I love the fact that because I'm a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, that I can look back in my life and see that I am the best version of who I am because of him. Amen? Amen? Let's stand to our feet. As we close today, I just want to challenge each and every one of us to become friends with God. Best friends, as a matter of fact. Best friends, as a matter of fact.
You may be a Christian. You may love the Lord or have surrendered to Him, but for some reason, that friendship side, that closeness has escaped you. And I want to pray for you before we leave here today that that would be something that would change in 2019. That you would truly walk into and enter into a closeness with the Lord. That He would become your best friend. One who sticks closer than a brother, as the Bible says. <laughs> See, Vicki and I can't wait to spend time together and just be together. We just love it. That's, that's our favorite pastime. Right, babe? Favorite pastime is for her and I just to be together. God wants you to have that same sense about Him. Amen. Favorite pastime is just spending time with Him. You don't have to be doing anything. Vicki and I can sit in the same room and not do anything, but we're together. And there's that sense of closeness and intimacy. This morning, if, you, if you'd say, you know what, I feel like that area of my life needs to grow in 2019. Would you pray for me? Slip up your hand all over the place. God bless you. Father, thank you for this time of the year that we can pause, think about, fact that Jesus, you came into the earth, that God, you had this whole plan in place from the moment Adam fell. To begin to build a relationship back with us and to restore us to our rightful place with you. Intimacy, spirit, soul, and body, friendship, walking in the cool of the day together. That's the idea, God. Help us, Father, each one of us, to take advantage of that. It's available to us today. As we think about Christmas, God, help us to take it a step further and think about friendship. As we're meeting together with family and Friends, help us to think and be reminded of the fact that you, the God of the universe, the one who created everything we see, the one who measured out the universe in the span of his hand, the big God, the good God, wants to be intimate and be my best friend. Thank you, God. I pray for every single person who slipped up their hand and said, God, help me. Help me grow in that area. In Jesus' name, amen. And today we're going to close our service with O Holy Night, and we're going to do a candlelight um, service as well by just simply lighting the candle. I'm going to light the first candle, and then I'll pass it on, um, indicating that this whole light of the world thing started with one person. His name was what? Jesus. And then it spread to his disciples. In the upper room, 120, and then how it spread out into the world through the cross-cultural missionaries that spread the world, Apostle Paul through the Gentiles, to us, and we to other people around the world in our sphere. So let's, uh, let's let this speak to our hearts today. as we sing the song, <laughs> Oh, Holy Night. And let God just minister to your heart. Okay? Let Him minister to you. Let this not be sort of an exercise we do, but something that we experience. This is representing the light of the world, Jesus Christ. God has entrusted us with that light to take it to all four corners of the earth. Amen? And to do our part as missionaries. Oh, holy night.
so as we're holding this light, this candle, let's let this be symbolic of us letting our light shine. The Bible says for us to let our light shine so that men might see our good works or lifestyle and glorify the God of the universe or God. There's something about living this thing out, this Christian life out, for real, that is attractive to people who don't know him. So let's let our light shine, amen? It was never intended to be put under a bushel. You've heard the song. <laughs> but it's intended to be lifted up. Now, everyone, take your candle very close, very carefully, and just lift it up, okay? Look, look at all the lights. Look at all the lights all over the room. What a beautiful sight. This represents the body of Christ, amen? Being the light of the world. Amen? So let's think about that this Christmas holidays as you visit your family and your friends. Let's be the light of the world. All right, very carefully, let's blow out our candle. Okay, there'll be a container in the back that you can put those in on your way out. Um, please, uh, next week, if you're available and in town, come, come to church on Sunday. Um, Sam Durham, a precious dear friend of our church, we've known each other since we moved to town. Uh, is getting ready to head back to Southeast Asia, Malaysia, Thailand, China. And just before he leaves, he's going to come and speak to us Sunday. Okay, it's going to be a good word. I believe God has something for us. Please make it a priority. The following week, um, I'm going to be talking eschatology, just a, a big word for end times. We're going to finish the story and talk about eternity, talk about the judgment seat of Christ and the white, great white throne judgment, some of the stuff that people have heard about but really never knew about. We're going to talk about all of that the following week, January 6th, the first Sunday of 2019. We're going to talk about eternity. Amen? All right. Let's lift our hands for the benediction. Oh, Father, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you supernatural peace. Amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. God bless you. Have a great Christmas with your families.